All right, welcome to another incredible edition of Tech Watch Radio, ladies and gentlemen, where we keep an eye on tech so you don't have to. We want tech to serve you, not own you. I am Sam Bushman, Jay Harrison with me. Welcome, sir. Hi, Sam. Great to be back with you. So much going on, hard to discuss it all. This is a weird deal. U.S. harbors prolific malicious link shortening service uh, and it's disaster. Let's talk about it, Jay. Yeah, link shortening. This is like Bitly was the classic one. I think one of the pioneers, at least in that field, where you'd have a really short link like bit.ly slash and a little bit of uh, random um, numbers and symbols and letters and stuff, uppercase, lowercase. And it would be able to allow you to take a really long link, pass it through it, and then have a really short link afterwards. The problem with that became people would hide um, things behind it, malware and stuff like that, where you it kind of obfuscates the domain, so you can't even really see where you're going. Bitly um, and other link shortening services put in measures to where sometimes it would bounce to their site first, so it would show you where you're going, um, things like that. But uh, they kind of gave they gave link shortening a bad rap, and people it kind of fell to the wayside because of the abuse. But before that, it was very popular, and now you just don't see it that often anymore. Yes, and the problem is, though, it's now becoming kind of a fraud vector, right? It is. Um, I think people are using alternatives like um, QR codes and things like that. Um, people aren't typing it as much. There's also, uh, with recognition in photos, so you can use your camera, you can point it at even a written-down uh, address, and it can generally OCR that, and you can just click on it and go from there. So there's not as much need as there used to be. It was like also to help people from... from uh, having to type a really long URL, um, but a lot of that's been done away with, like QRCs and and those kind of things. But um, I, people still use it. People use it for tracking all, also a lot of ways. Like say you're going to run an yeah, ad somewhere, right. and then you want to track <clears throat> how many people came to TechWatch Radio. You know, we might give them the Bitly link or or some service like that, and um, be able to count to run a counter so we can say, oh, well, when we spent whatever money there, then we got this many link throughs on it. Yeah, now here's the problem with this. They say the top-level domain for the United States, .us, if you will. Normally, we've kind of thought of the United States as .com, .net, .org, and those are domains that are top-level, but .us is for the United States, right? MX is for Mexico and so on. Right. Um, anyway, I don't know how many people realize that. But they say this top U.S. domain is home to thousands of newly registered domains, which makes sense, but tied to a, quote, malicious link shortening service that facilitates malware and phishing scams, Jay. They say the findings come close on the heels of a report that identified, now listen to this, U.S. domains as among the most prevalent in phishing attacks. Wow, I don't know how to respond to that because I didn't realize that the U.S., usually we kind of always said, oh, man, look out for, China or India or some of these overseas places. Now it turns out the U.S. has become kind of a more, I don't know what you call it, greater vector for this kind of stuff than other countries even. That's a change that I haven't seen except for recent. I don't think that there's much vetting of the buying the domains. Like you, you could buy a domain pretty much anywhere. Now I've seen like um, you and I tried to buy a, a domain in Australia one time and they wanted to make sure that you had like an Australian uh, the equivalent of an EIN number to make sure that you had uh, were doing business in Australia. I don't think people do that so much with the uh, .us domains, and that may be one of the reasons a lot of people are using them for this stuff. 
Um, I don't know if that's the case or not, but it seems like it to me. Yeah, I didn't know the United States was the most prevalent, pre, um, prolific or prevalent in phishing attacks. So that's very interesting. Well, that is means, that victims folks, or is that perpetrators? Because perpetrators, I, I think that that's people running it through the U.S. I don't, I don't think the U.S. is the. I, I think India and Russia no, no, and no, China no. are. No, no, no. Listen, U.S. domains. We're yep. talking domains here. Okay, I understand that. U.S. domains. So it might be a Chinese person running that U.S. domain. Right. So the whole reason I'm bringing That's this what up I'm getting at. is, well, and you're probably right about that. But the reason that I'm bringing this up is because I want you to realize, if you look at it and think U.S., com, net, org, oh, it's probably fine. It's not some China thing. Don't be fooled. You no. can't use that anymore as you're a little bit of safety net is the whole point. I don't think you ever could, but I, I understand what you're saying. I right? agree, but people do, yeah. and they better not. You're right. It was never justified. But I'm telling you, I know people that would be like, dude, it's a dot-com domain. It's fine. I'm like, oh, no, that doesn't mean anything. That's and you're true. right. A lot of these Chinese and a lot of these other places are using these domains as kind of the cover. My whole point is now this is being exposed saying U.S. domains are prolific in this more so than ever before. And it's because they're being sequestered by evil players giving you this false sense of security is the point. That's very true. One of the ways you can um, help prevent some of this, which is is use a service like Quad9, which is free. It's a DNS filtering, and they will filter on known malicious stuff and also foreign domains and a lot of things like that. And that can help quite a bit, too. You just won't be able to resolve certain domains if they're known to, to harbor malware. Yeah, OpenDNS is another great example of a solution to to do that. If you choose OpenDNS, you pay for an account. You can point your DNS servers to that. And there's a lot of things that you can do with OpenDNS to control a lot of that uh, stuff as well. That's true. All right, I want to talk about iPhone features. The iPhone 15's out. I know somebody says, Sam, you guys are late to the game. We've talked about this a little bit, Jay, but there's more to this than meets the eye. You know, people are debating, is the iPhone 15 worth upgrading to? Some people say it's garbage. The touchscreen doesn't work as well and everything else. I'm not here to attack iPhones. I have one. I don't have a 15. But the debate is, is it worthy of the upgrade? And they're not really the feature guys they once were. Um, what do you say to all that, Jay? Well, I say if you're on a, if you're using a 14 right now, it may not be worth the upgrade. But if you're on a 10 or a even 11 or something like that, or especially if you're on something before a 10, before the iPhone uh, X when they came out with um, Face ID instead of Touch ID, if you're using anything pre- previous, it's definitely worth the upgrade. It's really past time for the upgrade well and we know from experience that apple slows those phones down intentionally they got Mm. kind of caught in a big old something about that and their claim was it's the only way we can help preserve the battery i'll have to make the phone still useful do you not believe that claim or no i do believe it i do believe it too i i think that it it does look bad on them but it looks bad on them but i don't think it's fair so what they're saying is we're not slowing the phone down to force you to upgrade that's what the alleged right. statement is. I don't, I don't believe that. I do believe they're slowing the phones down. And the reason they say they're slowing the phones down is because otherwise the battery won't last enough to be useful. Yeah, it'll and crash. It'll all overtax these modern the battery. capabilities that it requires, it'll just max the phone out and run the battery into the ground. So we're actually trying to do you a favor. I believe that narrative. I don't believe they're lying, and I don't believe they're just doing it to hose you down. I believe they're really saying for these old phones, this is the only way that we can make them still useful. I think it's a reason to upgrade. I don't think it's a reason to attack Apple, but I do believe it's true. I I look at it like this. It reminds me of um, 
people who do Dell does this and, and Apple was doing this with MFI with their power cords. And they say, hey, we've got to certify these cords. We've got to make it not work or at least go into slow charging mode or whatever or some kind of safety mode when you don't use our power supply on it. And on one hand, you can see that that is legitimate because there were people that were making cheap cords and things were catching fire and damaging really expensive equipment for a, yes. for a $1 cord or to save 8 bucks on a power supply on something. So there is legitimate reasons they do that. But you kind of also realize the other side of it is that then they get to sell very expensive power cords for things too. So I, I that's what, it reminds me of that sort of. Yeah, and how much of it's very expensive because it needs the technology to really secure your equipment like they claim versus how much are they just making a big old bunch of cash yeah. on? And that's where companies over time just need to work on building trust with the consumer that we're doing it for the right reasons. And I pray they do. And I think that's really important. But there's not a lot of features in the new iPhone 15 per se. I mean, there's some neat things, but nothing super compelling. I say if you're below an iPhone 12, get a new phone. If you're above an iPhone 12, I'd hold on. That's just my opinion. I'd agree with that. Yep. I definitely would, unless um, you're. There's also an early there's adopter. Also discussions about SIM chips. You know, before the iPhone 14s, you had a physical SIM chip that you could pop out. If iPhone 14s going forward, they don't even have a SIM chip in it. It's all a virtual SIM, Jay, and that makes things in a way really cool because you can have more than one phone number in a phone. You can have actually two phone carriers with two different uh, phone numbers in your same phone. Um, that's good, uh, but again, it's 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 very strange because it's, yeah. it's, it's a virtual SIM and it complicates matters for people that's if you upgrade a phone and move it to a different carrier and you forget to take out the old sim you can have all kinds of problems that's true but the e-sim you know it, it, there are a lot of reasons why it's better and a lot of things like the apple watch and, and things like that they, they've never had a sim right they've always been e-sim but it is it, you do lose some flexibility in some things because when you used to have a sim card i could you know, if I had a problem with my phone or it wouldn't boot or it got run over or whatever, um, I could pop that SIM out, put it in a cheap phone as long as it worked with or was compatible with the same carrier and at least be back in business and be able to text message, be able to get two factor authentication codes, be able to uh, operate and call people. Now you can't do that. Now you got to get a hold of your phone company and you've got to get them involved in order to do something. So it does limit some flexibility. Also, when you would travel overseas, you could just pop your SIM card out, get one locally, pop it in and be able to use it locally there in that country. And, you know, you, you lose some of that flexibility without the physical SIM. But Apple also did however, this to seal up ports on the phone. The positive but, is, however, the positive is those SIM chips, though, used to just be pretty flaky and sometimes they just go south and stuff. And if you have a true. hard internal SIM, that stuff doesn't happen either. It's a, it's a trade off. That's true. Apple's trying to get rid of all the ports, though, because they, the more they can do that, the, the harder they can make the phone, the more waterproof they can make it. Um, and that's the one another they can make it. Yeah, that's another reason to do that on their side. Amen. Anyway, I don't think the iPhone 15 features. I don't think there's really a ton. The uh, latest operating system has some unique things, but they're getting a little bit like Microsoft, Jay, in the sense that there's too many features now to where it's just like I can't even find where I want to go to do the simplest things. And yeah, they're really kind of saturating for people. There, there's not um, huge earth-shattering things for a phone. I mean, we've we've seen all that in the last two decades, where they were just revolutionary on every iteration of the phone. And I think we're getting into a mature phone market, and you're not going to see huge strides like that. That are where every new uh, generation is just like, oh my gosh, you got to get this because it's killer. Yeah, there, there's no killer new apps or life-changing apps per se or hardware upgrades, it seems, right now. Now, here's an interesting question that people are asking in relation to the very point you made, Jay, which is this. 
is the App Store. Now, you can say that's, you know, Apple, or you can equivalent Android. Are the App Stores still a source for new, quote, technology innovation, Jay? Or has, quote, AI development picked up the hotter new tech to build for? Um, well, you see AI in the app stores anyway, and you see AI building or helping to build apps. But I think they're yeah. But uh, it used still... to be to where if you want anything new, you go to the app stores. They got the newest, best, greatest. That's where the all the innovation was happening. Now is it that? Is it AI? Is it a combination of people are debating because they're thinking the app stores are starting to get to be kind of in a way old school. Yeah, but how do you get AI on your phone without using an app anyway? Going to the app store. I mean, I guess you could use a browser, but most people. I mean, ChatGPT not even recently, months ago, released finally their uh, iOS app so that you can use ChatGPT on the iPhone. But everybody's still using well, if apps. I, if my phone's really smart and I get the right AI built into my phone, at some point I won't need the store. It'll just AI find whatever I need anywhere and go get it. Yeah, but that day hasn't It'll come. Be smarter than you to find it. Google I know, and Siri aren't, are, are, you know, I see these uh, these jokes where people are, ma- are making fun of, like on TikTok and stuff, Siri and um, and uh, Alexa and all this stuff and how, how they pale to... Uh, ChatGPT and it's just remarkable and you know ChatGPT is busy inventing a new language and Siri doesn't even understand what song you're asking it to play and uh, <laughs> it's just funny. Uh, your point's well taken and that's kind of the reality check. Well the reason people are asking the question Jay is because Apple just unveiled quote this week in apps as you know they do that uh, and they highlight different apps that are supposedly killer apps or whatever you want to call it but they say Apple's iPhone app of the year finalists are basically just um, upgrades of apps we already know about. There's not a whole lot new there. Sarah Perez for TechCrunch writes on this, and there's just nothing there really. Oh, yeah, you know what? Whatever app you're using, they got a new version with this feature and that feature, but there's nothing groundbreaking, nothing new, no changes. And so is AI, rather than these phone stores and rather than going to be the, the only key to real building intervent- or um, invention or what, uh, it's a very serious question. I, I see this as you see it in lulls and cycles a little bit too. Um, yes, you know when when things come out and and they build on each other. So you know there may be no new versions of anything really or, or remarkable kind of things, but then you'll have a bust out year and you'll have you know twelve different apps that are all new different directions that people haven't thought of. So. Yeah. 2023 could just be a down year for apps, you know. I think everybody's so. busy marveling and reeling at at how ChatGPT came out. That came out we're coming up on a year anniversary in November, right? That's or, right. Of that's right. Of when ChatGPT was released last year, and everybody's still going, "Oh my gosh, how do I apply this? How can I leverage well, this?" And that's the point. Maybe and how can I beat pausing, this? Saying with this in mind, how do I rewrite whatever I'm working on new? This changes the game. Let me kind of reset and work on it and all that kind of stuff. Well, I'll tell you what the next new thing coming is, Jay. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Apple's pledge to support RCS messaging could finally kill SMS. Apple to finally bring RCS to iPhones. What does that mean? So you've got this battle between uh, I'll just say it like this. What are the icons? Green or blue? Yeah, green bubbles is SMS. Blue bubbles is iMessage on the iPhone. Right. And now with RCS standard, it, it will actually be able to interoperate in a data mode instead of using uh, short messaging service, the old SMS over cell phone. 
um, and phones, even Google phones, Android, whatever, will be able to communicate uh, in a more rich uh, data environment with phones, like where you can like things and reply to things and um, and have a more advanced like 2.0 kind of messenger experience. All I can tell you is it's about time, Jay. This has been just a disaster. I don't know if you know, but uh, when people have all these problems between Androids and uh, iPhones and everything, they they degrade pictures when they send them because it can't pass through these services. They do all this and that. Sometimes it's red when it sh- or I'm sorry, blue when it should be green, and, and all this stuff. And then all of a sudden you get a blue. Uh, between two iPhones, that's great. And then all of a sudden you get a green between two iPhones and you're like, what's wrong? And then and it kicks it everybody out in the conversation back to it SMS. Degrades, pictures, it pictures. It, 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 they've got to fix this. I believe this is kind of the next holy grail to say we don't care what we're using. We just want quality connectivity, great messaging, and we don't want it to degrade things. So RCS- people send photos to one another and they're like, this photo looks like garbage. And it's like. Oh, that's because it's green. It's because Don't it's an SMS. Phone. And there's a limit right. on, on transfer size on SMS. But RCS promises it was pioneered by Google, and it promises to be the solution to this. And and for a long time, Apple was a holdout on this. I don't know how they got them to change their mind, honestly, but um, I'm well, glad that they are. It's the, court issue. it's the court issue and the port issue kind of in, well, we now beat you on that. Like so USB-C, right? Use- Yep, and we're going to make you use that. And we're, I'm telling you, we're threatening you over this, too. So you better come to a national standard soon. I personally, that's just my opinion, but I believe that's what's driving it. But here's what I haven't heard yet is what's the fallout on the encryption and stuff? You know, I iMessage is very secure. Um, it, it's not where nobody else can get in, like if there's a warrant or something, but it's not one-to-one encryption. There are apps that can do that, but it is very, very, very secure, and a lot of people trust it, like even to transfer passwords and things like that, uh, unless yeah, you have a nation state or, or Apple itself you know, it, against you. It is going to be a problem. Whenever you open it up to that, you run that kind of risk, and hopefully they'll solve that. And again, I believe we need these companies. I get that the companies are at war because they want market share. But you can't be at war to the expense of the consumer to the point where you just create problems. Right now, this is a big problem. I mean, a lot of times your messages even fail and you can't get messages to people and it's become unreliable. And so to me, there needs to become a, a meeting of the minds and say, look, we need to make this reliable and stable and usable for people. That's really kind of important. And I think this is the next kind of thing that I really hope they solve because it's given people grief left and right. I agree. But I think there'll still be some fallout that we'll see on the encryption and and how things get handled that way. And I don't even know all the details yet because I haven't even seen like a white paper or anything on how RCS is going to integrate with Apple. All we've got right now is just formal agreement from them that they're going to support it at some time in the future, which is progress because before they just said, said, nope, we're not doing that. Sorry. We like our eye. In fact, um, iMessage is a lot of buy-in and lock-in that some people have for not moving to an Android. They, they're just like, hey, man, I, I can't do this. Like all my friends and family, I can't be the guy with green bubbles, you know? So Well, and it's not even about the green bubbles. It's the guy that's, I can't be the guy that gets degraded pitch, pictures and this and that and that. Yeah. So I personally appreciate that they're moving to a national international standard. I like that idea. You're right. The encryption and some of the questions are still left open. We'll have to see. I personally think they should have just rolled out the Apple standard to everybody instead of the other way around. Yeah, because but Apple's so locked down greedy that somebody else came up with a plan and now we're moving to it. But I personally think they should have just made this capability happen on other phones. They could have given the license that technology to the other people. And it's already a state. Look, 
what is it, 41% or 50%? No, more than 50% use iPhones already. Right. Go with the standard that's already tried and true and tested. Don't go with this new thing that we got to figure out a bunch of stuff related to. I wish they this would do that. Apple's if, starting to lose, lose, and lose again. I, I literally discovered Telegram because I was looking for an alternative to, because I could not get iMessage on a PC where I could be able to use it on a PC and I needed some sort of cross-platform messenger service. But they could have put it on a PC in two seconds had they been open-minded enough to get that done. They could have put it on an Android too. And, and if they, they would already have had that standard and this would be solved. If they did, everybody would be using iMessage today. On every platform. Yeah. So let this be a lesson to the Apple folks. Listen to Sam and Jay. We might be lowly tech guys, but I'm telling you right now, you've missed out on a couple of things. You're developing your port technology. You lost. Now your messaging system, you're going to lose. And if you keep up this lockdown attitude towards everybody and keep this hostility, it isn't good for the consumer. You got to think about where you make your money. Okay. Zion's Bank, one of the banks in my local area, has this phrase. They always say, um, we have not forgotten who keeps us in business. Just remember that, Apple's all I'm trying to tell you. All right, final uh, note before the end of the hour, or Jay, or the end of the show. This is interesting. I think you call this thing Tokus. That's the name of the whatever. But Tokus AI. They have a platform. It's called Tokus AI Platform. It now can predict heart conditions by scanning inside your eye, Jay. That's amazing. This is huge, cool stuff. Spell Tokus. T-O-K-U apostrophe S. Yeah, it's Tokus. I don't know how, don't you, know how, how you pronounce it. It sounds like, it, like Roku, right? Kind of. Yeah. But it's T-O-K-U and then apostrophe S. Tokus. Uh, and I don't know much about their AI. I'm just telling you this idea. Um, you know, we've talked about AI being able to help you with health and a lot of other interesting things. This is proof in the pudding. They're already starting on it. Now, how reliable it is and how mainstream it'll become and whether it'll become the standard. Or not, I mean, I don't know yet. I'm just telling you, it's pretty cool. And you're going to see more and more and more and more of this stuff. And I hope it has real results to, to better help uh, and better detection of problems for people. And this is where tech can be incredibly wonderful. It will. And people are using it. I think we talked about this in a previous program, but um, people who are experts in things like, say, an x-ray tech or a cardiologist or somebody who looks at MRIs, they are using AI as like their assistant to double check behind them. And it's seeing stuff that they missed uh, oftentimes in um, and, you know, they're they're the experts. They can see this stuff. But there are telltale signs when you train something on a data set of millions of things that it can, it can see correlations that the human just can't put together. And so it can spot these problems and, and make leaps at least to, to flag and to tip off the doc to say, hey, look at this area right here a little bit closer because we think there might be an issue here. And if you're, in, if you're a doctor and you're in this field, especially if you're doing it for uh, large hospital groups or, or some regional area or whatever, you're almost stupid not to have it because for your own insurance and your own just value uh, that you bring to the table, you need an AI looking behind you or as your assistant, just double checking that stuff and seeing what else it can find that you may not see. You got that right. There is a new technology, Jay, that we are going to dig into uh, and work on. And it is a new database technology that can take... Um, I don't know what you want to call it, data crunching, data analytics, uh, data assessment that literally takes days, and they've got it down with this new database technology. It's called Fractal. 
fractalweb.app if you want to learn about it. But I'm going to have in the next couple of interview, uh, next couple of shows here, some people from Fractal talking about their new database technology. It's a whole new stack. It's like Web 4.0 stuff, and it literally takes things that have taken days in the past to data crunch, data mine, and provide analytics for. They've really brought it down to where it could be done in really seconds and minutes from days and weeks. It is incredible. Whether it'll be the standard going forward or not, we don't know, but it's interesting enough to keep an eye on. That's for sure. Why? Because we keep it on text so you don't have to. That's why we are Tech Watch Radio. And ladies and gentlemen, this is brought to you by Network Providers Incorporated, NPI, techguys.com. Thanks so much. Enjoy Black Friday, Small Business, Saturday, and more. Make it a great tech day. Thanks.